Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors, as this show would not be possible if it wasn't for them. Millie and Ma, the stylish and unique All-Australian gift boxes. Their ranges include corporates, him and her, babies, or you can design your own. Catch them today at www.millieandma.com.au. That's www.millieandma.com.au. And last but not least, RetroJet Prints. At RetroJet, they create unique, high-quality, retro-inspired artwork that's affordable. Designed by them for you to suit any setting. Find them today at RetroJet Prints on Instagram or Facebook. And now, let's start the episode. He got a bit carried away, Brendan. That's not like Brendan to get carried away, is it? No, not at all. What a time to be alive. Steven's the goal. Disposal efficiency. Pressure point. Season is done. Home and away season is finally come to an end for the bottom 10 teams that have been waiting for this moment for a while. I know I have. I've been counting down the last few weeks, just wanting it done. Um, I'm sure you have as well. Um, and we're both in pretty similar positions. I think Richmond finished 12, can't finish 13th. How about that? Who would have thought that? Yeah, if you asked me this time last year, I wouldn't have said that. I actually would have thought we'll both be in the eight, to be honest. So probably disappointing seasons from our, from both our sides. But yeah, something different this year for sure. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it was sort of just both limping to the finish line. I know a number of teams were, but um, to finally get there was a bit relieving, to be honest. Um, it was probably the most disinterested round 23 game I've um, sort of watched um, from a Carlton point of view. I don't know, how, how did you feel about your... I know you had a couple of retirees, um, but how did you feel about your game on the weekend? Um, going into it, I was probably a little bit um, disinterested as well. But then, yeah, I think um, it sunk in that a couple of players like Asprey and Hooley were both retiring. And, you know, obviously you had Burgoyne and Clarko on the other side. So I actually started to get a bit more invested into the game. And I thought, you know, this actually means quite a lot. I know Hooley didn't play, but still technically his last outing with the club. Um, And then obviously the finish we had in the end as well made it that much more intense. So I actually ended up getting pretty invested and really enjoyed the game as a whole. It was a great game. Well, that that last five, ten minutes was, uh, was crazy. Well, I looked at this, uh, someone posted a photo and we think with five and a half minutes to go, we were 31 points down. So to come back and tie that yeah. game, I was actually pretty content with the draw. I thought the season we've had um, to tie with Hawthorne, none of those retirees went out on a loss. I think it was no heartbreak for anybody. Um, I thought it was a good result all around. And then I thought it was actually quite nice to see Clarko and Dimmer share the, uh, the press conference together after the game as well. Something different. You don't normally see that from... Uh, two opposition coaches so that was nice as well but yeah overall I actually quite enjoyed the game and I thought um it was a good fight in the end and to see Jack Rewell kick two clutch goals and um bringing his total over 50 for the ninth time in his career this year was uh was something special yeah that was it was good and just to have Bergon as well chase that ball and almost touch it on the line was um was fitting I mean it probably would have been more fitting if he did touch it but um it was just yeah just think that was his last play and um, and a crazy yeah, last five, 10 minutes of that game was uh, was huge. But yeah, the result was probably fair in the end just to uh, to farewell everyone off. And the two the two best um, best teams of the last decade as well to, to share the points in the last round was um, was good to see. It was good from a neutral point of view anyway. 
Yeah, there was definitely something in that. I reckon if you asked that, um, yeah, boy, yeah, boy, footy energies page, you'd be all over the <laughs> But it was, um, yeah, no, it was. It was a good game overall and it was something special to see from that point of view. And if you, I don't know if you heard, but after the game, Jack Rewell went up to Sean, um, Sean Burgoyne and said, I actually kind of wish you touched that. Yeah. Just to finish off your career, that, you know, that nice little moment to win Hawthorne the game. But um, I think it ended up going the way it should have done. So it was good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was, a, there was some crazy games on the weekend um, that, that decided a lot of spots on the ladder. Friday night, the dogs um, cost themselves a top four spot, which is crazy because they're top two all year. We said on the podcast last week, it was bizarre to think that they might finish outside the top four. They have now. They've finished fifth. Port Adelaide finished second with a home final. It's yeah, it, that Friday night game was um, was so costly for for the loser, and um, yeah, Port Adelaide just snuck home in the end. Yeah, and I think rightfully so as well. I mean, obviously it was only two points, but. I think Port probably deserved it with their run of games they've had the last few weeks compared to the Bulldogs. And it's scary to think that the Bulldogs could potentially get knocked out first week of finals and gone from being, like you said, top two side all year to losing first round of finals. It's almost unheard of. So you think that would have put in a little bit more of a, or you think the game would have meant a little bit more to them almost um, than what it appeared to when watching on Friday night, but all credit to Port Adelaide who just put on an absolute show. Yeah, absolutely. They've um they've been they've been huge the last six weeks. Probably the most informed team in in it. Um, you've got Ollie Wines and Elira Lee, Travis Boak, just just dominating for them. They they they're huge and um and the, yeah, it's a, it's a repeat of last year's qualifying final now with Port Adelaide hosting Geelong at the Adelaide Oval. So, I mean, they've all of a sudden now put themselves in the box seat to to have a home prelim and then hopefully playing a grand final as well. Go one step further than what they did last year. So. Um, yeah, they're in a great position. Um, so they're, they're looking good. And then the other big game from the weekend as well was the Geelong-Melbourne game where Geelong blew a 50-point lead and um, the Ds clawed their way back and won after the siren with with Max Gorn, which was one of the craziest games I've ever seen. I've never felt um, found myself supporting another team so hard. Uh, it couldn't have happened to a better side than Geelong to lose a margin like that. And let me tell you, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I've always had this little resentment towards the Ds, and I'm not sure what it is because they've, you know, they've suffered the last 50 years or so. So I'm not sure why I don't like them, but I'm all, uh, I'm all on the Ds bandwagon heading into finals now. After that performance and that fight back, and then Petrarca in the press conference tearing up, talking about how emotional it was, you know, um, winning the minor premiership, um, being a really good chance at winning the flag this year as well, and it just you can see how much it means to the club and. You know they've got a 54 year premiership drought. Like it, it would just be perfect for them to win it this year, wouldn't it? Apart from the fact that it probably won't be in Melbourne, none of their fans can be there. But that was unreal from them. And Geelong probably have some questions to start asking themselves as well because they've got Port Adelaide this week, as you mentioned, and their run with elimination finals isn't fantastic. And to blow a lead like that is probably very concerning. Yeah, for sure, for sure. At, at half time, was we're probably thinking Melbourne can't win the flag, and Geelong are probably favourites now. And then you know, an hour later, it, it's completely flipped. So, um, yeah, I think the stars are aligning for the Ds. There's just the way things are sort of happening for them. And, um, yeah, obviously the fairy tale of, of not winning a flag in, um, yeah, in, in 50, 60 years. It's, um, it would be great for them. But, again, we said this the other week with, you know, Ds fans been waiting so long and for the finals not to be in Melbourne as well. You've got to, got to feel for their supporters. Um, but... Geez, they'd happily, happily take a, a premiership and not be able to see it, then then not not win one. So um, but yeah, that that was great. They're the two craziest games on the weekend for mine. Did you did you 
see another game that, that stood out? Um, probably not as much as those ones, just in terms of how close the results ended up being and how tight the finishes were. And I think, I mean, the post has been going around a bit on social media the last couple of days. Is this could potentially be the, the best final round of football we've had in a long time. And I can't really argue with that. But in terms of standard games that stood out, I thought Sydney absolutely demolishing the Suns was a big one for me because that just gives them a lot of confidence going into finals. They finished outside the top four, so they don't have that double chance, but they almost won't need it with the form that they're in. And with Buddy kicking six goals, it puts them in a pretty good position. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're, they're looking slick and best ball movement side this year as well, the Swans. So they could definitely cause some damage in the finals. And Buddy Franklin, just the bag of six, he's getting closer to a thousand as well. So, but then you got to ask questions about the Gold Coast Suns. There's pressure now for Stewie Jew, whether he's going to keep his job. Um, I think I saw something online the other day. It was 11 seasons in the competition, 10 seasons of them have been in the bottom five. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's grim. That, there's just been no improvement from them. And you can't say, well, they're a new side because the Giants have already played in a flag, a couple of um, prelims now. So, I mean, look, I know you can say the Giants are probably gifted a few more picks and whatnot, but the Suns have lost and let go a lot of talent as well. If you think about some of the players I've had in the past and let go and gone other clubs and forged some pretty good careers, you, they've got, probably got to look internally. And then yeah, at the moment, they've got good young players, good list and just not living up to expectations. So whether that's Stewie Jew himself or the coaching staff around him that's going to be looked at, I'm not sure. From watching last year's AFL doco that Amazon did, I was a really big fan of Stewie Jew. It looked like he had a great connection with the players. The players liked him. He liked them. He was invested. Um, and you just think, oh, this guy's the man for the job. But then you see the results I've had this year and you, you start questioning that a little bit. So whether, like I said, whether that's the people around him that needs to um, change or for Tim himself, the Suns have a, a lot to look at. And I think they could potentially or should potentially um, think about doing a, an external review as well, a bit like Carlton are doing at the moment because they've got some issues. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think... I think being on the Gold Coast has sort of hidden a bit and um, cop less scrutiny. Um, but, yeah, I think if Stewie Jew was coaching a, a Victorian team and getting the same results, yeah, I, I don't think he'd be in a job um, today, that's for sure. So, um, But you mentioned Carlton, um, their external review, their season's wrapped up now. And, um, I mean, there's a lot. We're, we're going to get a special guest on soon as well to, to review the Blues season too. So, um which we're going to do over the next few weeks for the teams that aren't playing finals. So, um, but yeah, that they had a disappointing um, sort of finish to their season as well. So it, it was it was interesting, but um, they they gave it a good good account of themselves on on Saturday night. Um, but our special guest has arrived. We've got Joe from Almost Blues Brothers, but part of the Blue Broad Network, who we know very well on this podcast. Welcome, Joe. G'day, guys. Can you can you hear me? All right, have I got this set up right. Got yeah, you loud and clear there, Joe. I'll tell you what, you, you say I'm a special guest. The fact that you've had, you know, the likes of Brad Johnson and and Kath, Kath Lachlan and whatnot on, it's uh, if I'm special, I don't know what they are, mate, to be honest. <laughs> How are you guys? You're a class above. Um, mate, no, I appreciate being on. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, no worries, mate. We find you will... Uh in better circumstances and, and talking about a great season that the Blues had and and not talking about the disappointing and sort of the relieving feeling that I was talking about before of, of sort of finishing this season. It's been a bit of a nightmare, hasn't it? That's all right. Uh, Quinn's in the same boat. So uh, it's good. <laughs> At least we're all on the same page. For once, Carlton and Richmond supporters, mate. 
Yeah, I mean, what would you say before was Richmond finished 12th, Carton finished 13th. So who would have thought that at the start of the season? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, uh, we were, in, in the end, though, we were closer to, I think, the bottom four than we were to the top eight. So it says a lot about where we're at. And, uh, yeah, a disappointing one, unfortunately, for the baggers. Not one that we all uh, that we all wanted, for sure. But, uh, hey, it, uh, it is what it is. You pick up, you move on, and, and you look forward to next season now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Very disappointing. But um, let's get a brief introduction of, of you, mate, and, and the Almost Blues Brothers. Um, give give the listeners a, a quick rundown of, of what you guys are doing there and um, and, and, and your bit of, a, bit of a background on how it all started. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I reached out at Terry, uh, to Terry at Blue Abroad uh, last year. Did, did a little bit of work with him, uh, just writing up some articles and whatnot last year. And then... Uh, yeah, he asked if uh, if I wanted to do a podcast this year. I already had it sort of planned in my mind. I wanted to do something Carlton related in terms of a podcast with a couple of mates, and uh, it sort of fits. So it's basically if you've ever if you've ever listened to a, a fan podcast you know, about about your about your own team, uh, it's it's pretty much that. We try and do it a little bit differently, a few different segments and whatnot, but um, it's it's as pretty stock standard as it gets for a for a fan podcast. I'm just. Uh, Still in shock that people like to listen to what we've got to say, to be honest, because uh, we've genuinely got no idea what we're talking about half the time. Uh, it's the same as us, mate. Don't worry about that. If, they are, if you think you don't know what's going on, uh, you should yeah, have a listen to a couple of our episodes, mate. We're clueless, so don't worry about no, it. No, you guys, are, you guys have got this absolutely rolling at the moment. Absolutely rolling. But, um, yeah, that's it. Every, uh, every Tuesday, we've done uh, 31 episodes, 30, episode 32, Tuesday morning, so tomorrow. Um, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., wherever you get your podcasts and uh, we'll be reviewing the last round of the season. And then we don't stop for off season. We've got draft trade, um, all that sort of thing coming up. So yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting. The off season is, uh, as you'd know, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's Carlton's uh, Carlton season, essentially. That's, uh, that's where we shine. <laughs> exactly right, mate. Exactly right. And, and this off season in particular as well, I think is, is probably the most important in the, in the club's history, to be honest. Like if we, if we stuff this up, Jeez, where to from here? Um, this coaching appointment, whatever's going to happen. Um, there's talk now that Teague might stay. So who knows? Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on on what's going on with the club recently in terms of the board, the coaching? What are, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, it's it's a bit harsh on Teague. Um, you know, 21 out of, what is it, 50 wins? And then you consider that we haven't won eight games since, I think, 2013. So he's our most winning coach since you know, over the past eight years um, across two COVID-affected seasons. And this year, the, uh, the second longest injury list in the AFL for, uh, for games missed just behind St Kilda. So, you know, he's taken a team that won two games in 2018 out of 22 and then won from their first 11 in 2013. And, uh, and, and we're competitive. So, you know, how much can you ask of the bloke? We're, we're never going to win a flag this year. I think anyone thinking that we we're going to win a flag was kidding themselves. Um, you know, I just, I, I think he just needs a fair crack at it. He, got, he was given a three-year contract. I'm still optimistic they let him at least try and see that out and, and give him a KPI next year internally to, to you know, be seven and four uh, after the first 11 rounds, for instance, um, or eight and three. So, um, yeah, that's they're, they're my overall thoughts. They haven't really changed throughout the year. They're certainly not changing now. Um, I, I did hear a little bit of that chatter today that, that he may uh, he may actually stick around, especially if Clarko doesn't commit, um, or, or if Clarko shows that he's 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 just not in for it. Um, 
see what the review says. You know, he's had a review hanging over his head as well for half the season. I'm sure that's not uh, it's not an easy position to be coaching in. What were your thoughts on Teague's comments in the media the other day? I know I personally was a fan of them, how he said he was a bit disappointed the club didn't back him up. And then Eddie Betts said the same thing now. From a Carlton fan's perspective, do you like to hear that from the coach? Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of fans are sort of saying, where was this earlier in the year? Why, why are we only seeing this now when essentially it looks like his job's dead and buried? And, um, you know, it, it, is, it is something that we've asked for from Teague. As, as fans, we want a bit more emotion. We want to see him fire up a bit and... From all reports internally, he does fire up at training. He fires up in, in the reviews and, and whatnot for, of their games. And we just haven't seen it in the public up until the last two or three weeks. And, and that's the biggest disappointment is that, you know, maybe if he had, if he, if he had been a bit more outspoken in the media um, and stuck up for himself earlier, maybe the perception of him would be a little bit different. But um, I'm, I'm wrapped that he's, that he's sticking up for himself. I'm wrapped that he's not just going to lay down um, based on, you know, talk in the public that he's, that he's done. Um, you know, I've, I think they only had their, their meetings today from what, what was reported and uh, by, by every, he's got every right to stick up for himself the way that he has and, and to even, you know, hold it, hold it over the club to say, you know, as, as good as that comment was, the one that I liked even more was where he sort of called out the club that for the review to be announced in the media, it's, uh, that's not high performance. And uh, I think the club's got a lot, to, a lot to work on outside of just sacking another head coach um, for the, what is it, the fourth or fifth time in the last eight years? So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan of it, big fan. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree, mate. I, I've sort of, over the last couple of days, after hearing that press conference as well, sort of leaning in, in towards that camp of, geez, let's give him another. Like, let's 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 see what he can do next year in, in his last year of the contract. You never know. Like, we get a fair crack at it with, with our injuries. Like, we've had a lot of key players down, um, no consistency with it. So, yeah, I'm sort of leaning towards that as well. Like, because um, there's no guarantees if, if Clarkson or Ross Lyon come in, for example, and they're just going to, you know, change a lot that. So that, and we've seen it in the past with with a Malthouse and a Dennis Pagan. Like, it doesn't happen. Spot on. And and I've said for a lot of the, uh, even if it is Clarko that we're going after, there's, like you said, there's no guarantee that just because he's the best coach of the last 10, 15 years, that he's going to be the best fit for our football club. This is where you've got to do your due diligence. And this is where the review findings should say what we need. And if Clarko fits that mould, great. But who says it can't be Teague? Who says it's not Teague? Because for me, from everything I've seen, with all the pressures that he's, that he's been put under, yeah, we have our lapses, we have our five-goal runs and whatnot, and that's something that needs to be addressed. There's no excuse for that. But he still hasn't had two full AFL seasons as an official head coach. You know, he only, he only had 17 games last year, so you still can't say he's had two full seasons. And, um, you know, to have a, a winning record that he does, like I said, that's, that's taken a team from two wins in 2018 to eight wins now in the space of two seasons as, as the official head coach. He's he's done more than more than what any other coach has done prior to that. So and that can't be argued. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. All right. Well, mate, we've heard enough about the coaching. I think that's been the hot topic all season. But let's talk about the players. What are the highlights from from this season? There's been there's been a few, especially individually. There's been some some highlights. What what have been your your few from from this season? Well, I think it's pretty pretty easy to uh, to say Walshy. So I'll uh, I'll leave that for now. I might finish on Walsh, but um, Harry was was a big surprise packet. You know, he was always going to break out. We didn't think he'd break out. I don't know about you, Marcus, but I didn't think he'd break out and win the Coleman this year um, so quickly. Uh, he was just he was dominant every time he was near the ball inside Ford fifty, um, whether it be one on one or on the lead. He's just he's so big. He's so long. 
um, just looked unstoppable at times and good on him. Congrats for, to Harry for at least bringing a little bit of positivity into our lives this year, uh, winning that Coleman. So um, I think he's the third, third Carlton player in history uh, from what I read today. So, you know, that's big ups. The other surprise packet, not super surprising to me, and it's not, it's not a big one, but Paddy Dow, um, I was wrapped. He's, uh, he's always been my boy. I've always stuck by him. And uh, I was just wrapped to see that he had a real crack at it. He, his body held up for a, a block of, you know, more than four games, which is over the last couple of years, what he hasn't been able to do. And I think we didn't just see him glimpses, but he put together some really, really good games, four quarters. Um, and he looks like if he can just get some more continuity and consistency in the senior side that he's just going to keep finding his straps and um, he's just going to get better and better. But like I said, you know, bigger surprise. And it, it is still a surprise because as good as the kid is, um, he never ceases to amaze in terms of what he can do. And um, he's going to be up there on Brownlow night, top five, at least in, in my calculations. And, you know, while she is by far going to be the best player in this competition within the next one or two years, he's, uh, he's head and shoulders above, his draft class and uh, as Carlton supporters, mate, Marcus, I, you know, I'm just wrapped that he's ours and he's not at Queens Bob, for instance, uh, winning flags over there. <laughs> uh, absolutely. It's a, the shining light that we absolutely needed this season. He was, um, it's, it's, and it's just crazy. I'd never, like you, you say, like you didn't expect Harry to win the Coleman, but do we expect Walsh to be this good in his third season as well? It's, it's, uh, it's incredible what he, what he was doing um, and clicking, kicking clutch goals as well in, in those in those games, which is gonna help him Brownlow night as well to stand out in those um those big moments too. So they've been they've been super. Um what were your thoughts on on um on Matt Kennedy as well? He had a very strong finish to the season. Yeah. And uh it was actually something I just spoke to uh the other boys on the podcast about uh just before coming onto the show. Um you know this there's always been a question on our development of our kids as as a football club and what we do. And, uh, you know, it's very contradictory in our fan base because uh, what I see is that we're, you know, we, we didn't like how quickly Dow was pushed and Samo and we ruined their development by playing them in losing sides and whatnot. But then we gave someone like Kennedy half a season to prove himself in the VFL and he did. And then he came in and hit the ground running and you go, well, that, that for me is the blueprint of how a player should get into a senior AFL side. I, I don't know what's happened to development over the last few years, but this entitlement for young kids to just step straight in just because they're high draft picks, unless you're a Sam Walsh, for me, it, it, it makes no sense. What the dogs did with Jamara Eagle Hagen, you know, it's, it's along the same lines. And, and for Matt Kennedy to really prove himself, not just over four weeks, but over 10 to 12, um, it just shows. Because once he got into that senior side, good luck kicking him out. Good luck. He's, he's, uh, he's going to be a bull in our midfield for, for years to come now. And, that block of games that they that they put him through in the VFL and really made him earn him earn his stripes, you know, that's that's only going to do him a, a world of good in his career. And another one, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Marcus, um, but um, and even Quinn, because Will Setterfield's a a, a a talent. He is a talent, and he's he's going through something that Matt Kennedy probably went through last year, um, just a bit of a, a rut early on in his career, um, bit of injury concern and not being able to get into form and, and continuity in games and played out of position and whatnot. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on him, but I look at him along the same lines as, as Kennedy this year, just looking at him next year going, he will break out. He will be that player that, that we're expecting him to be. Yeah, well, he threatened to in um, in 2020. He was, he was so good. He was one of our most improved players uh, last season. So, um, but yeah, 
again, is very similar to Kennedy, isn't it? It's sort of going along that same path where um, a few injuries and out of the team and players ahead of him. So, um, but yeah, he was at number five pick or something, wasn't he? So he's obviously got a lot of talent. Um, just got to be patient with with players like him. Um, yeah, I was going to say, sorry, I think Setters just needs that continuity, like you were saying, Joe. I think once he gets some consistency in games and playing in the right positions, um, you watch his game, you'll be able to take it to another level. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, um, as we mentioned to you earlier, we've uh, we've got a segment called the Pressure Cooker where we'll we'll ask uh, a few quick fire questions, nothing too hard hitting, as you've probably heard in some of the other episodes. So um, I'll get Quinn to to play the little sting, and we'll get into it. If you had to delist one player in your team, who would it be? Oh, you said not hard hitting, mate. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt Cottrell. Oh, yep. that's a big one. If you could add one player from another list, who would it be? Quinton Narkel. Or or Peter Laddams. Yeah, Laddams yep. is a good one. Like it. Uh, which team do you love beating the most? Essendon. Yes, good, good. I was hoping for that answer. We're all in the same camp with that one. And then uh, last but not least, and I think I already know the answer to this one, but who is your favourite Pressure Point co-host? Uh, I'll, I'll say Marcus because of the, uh, the current affiliation. But Quinn, no, you, 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 mate, you, you do a brilliant job. That's uh, I only answered that because I had to. I'm in the pressure cooker. <laughs> That's right. Mar- Marcus picks and chooses guests wisely with for that for that question in particular. So don't worry, it's no hard for you. Yeah. I reckon I'm winning now, Quinn. That's for sure. I think Natalie's favorite in my favor. Yeah, there's no coincidence there, mate. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll chuck in one bonus question though about the coach. Who's going to be coaching Carlton in 2022? Um, oh, mate, how can you say at this point? Um, I'm going to stick by Teague. Uh, I, I just think I think he's earned it. I think he's earned the right to at least set out his contract. Um, you know, if it's not going to be him. I'll go on record saying I don't want it to be Ross Lyon. I just don't feel like he's the fit that we need at this club. You know, everyone's saying that he'll give us a kick up the ass and give the players a kick up the ass, but you know, that's not necessarily the best thing. And uh, based on his track record of of coming in, uh, not winning flags, and then blowing clubs up on the way out, um, it's not something I'm looking forward to long term. So I'll stick by Teague right up until there's an announcement that he's not our coach because he is the coach of the Carlton Football Club going into 2022 based on the fact that he's contracted next year. Yeah, like it. Good answer. Good answer. All right, well, on, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll leave it there. But uh, no, I really appreciate you coming on, Joe. We, we love your work at, at the Almost Blues Brothers and doing some great things and, and looking forward to this week's episode as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate, really appreciate it, boys. And uh, we'll be looking forward to getting you guys on as well. Maybe for round one, Quinn, in the lead up, we can yeah. uh, we can put you through a bit of a pressure cooker, mate. We'll just hammer you up for 45 <laughs> minutes. Mate, absolutely. Bring it on. I was saying to Marcus before the show, you know when uh, you catch me listening to a few of your episodes that you must be doing a good job over there because I, you know, I'm not a Carlton fan by any stretch. So, no, absolutely looking forward to jumping on next year. No, big compliment. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Joe. Take care. Before we get back to our regular scheduled programming, I want to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor, Capital Edge. Capital Edge is a boutique company set up to help you build a property portfolio quickly and effectively whilst minimizing any direct out-of-pocket costs. They implement strategies to help reduce your payable tax and avoid the common pitfalls of property investment. The simple difference with Capital Edge is that with any investment you make, it's all about you. 
Capital Edge, educating clients to make informed property choices using research-based processes. And last but not least, Gavos Freight Solutions, GFS. We recommend GFS due to their expert advice in all facets of international air and sea freight forwarding, including consolidation logistics, personal effects, as well as in-house customs clearance brokerage. Better than the rest, the team at GFS has a combined experience of over 40 years in the industry and is led by Peter Gavos, an accredited customs and quarantine broker. So if you're in the need for professional importing or exporting, be sure to get in contact with Peter and the team at www.gfs.net.au. That's www.gfs.net.au. Jeez, I've got to stop, stop letting you choose the, uh, the pressure cooker guests, <laughs> or just guests in general, I should say, that we put through the pressure cooker. So, <laughs> Mate, strategic. Strategic, isn't it? And then the ones that you, the ones that you get on say me just to take the piss out of you. So it's a win-win. I can't win, honestly. (laughs) I had to threaten um, the last person that chose me. (laughs) Very good. Very good. But that was great. It was was great. Some some good insight on you. um, He gives some good insight on the the club and and his thoughts on it. And, um, yeah, obviously different to 90% of people out there, what they think about the coach. So um, what did you – did that change your tune on on what's going on down, down at Carlton? Um, no, well, Joe's actually got a pretty similar opinion to me. I've, and you know this as well, I've been big on um, the Teague train all the way through. I, I haven't sort of wavered in saying that. I've always thought Teague should um, finish off his contract and be given a bit more of a chance because I don't think he's quite been given the uh, opportunity to show what him and the rest of the team are capable of, whether it's through injury or just hasn't been there long enough. Um, a bit of both. So I didn't mind, um, you know, I like that, that he agreed with me on that point. So that was something good. And yeah, it was refreshing just to hear somebody um, so passionate about, or I guess just wanting to see passion from the club. You get a lot of supporters at the moment who quickly just sort of blow Teague off and say, that's the answer, get rid of him. But Joe's a lot more thought out in what he uh, what he talks about. Yeah, no, he was fantastic. And um, yeah, for those out there, Carlton supporters, make sure you, you, you follow and listen to Almost Blues Brothers. They're, they're doing some good things. All right, well, let's move on from the blues and that'll review them and put God. them to the side for a few months now, which is good. It's been a, been a stressful year. So I'm glad we can sort of review them, get them out of the way and, and just move on to just your general footy and, and talk finals as well. But um, uh, this means, move on. So I can say this means for me, no more Sunday night phone calls with you crying on the other end of the phone about the blues performance and the Sunday twilight. So this is good for me as well. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Oh, say that. Don't need a lie, lie through, your, through your skin about that there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving on. <laughs> All right. Buddy Franklin, is he going to kick a thousand goals? He's only eight more. I, sorry, he's only eight away from that thousand goals. Can he do it? I think it depends on how well the rest of his teammates play. And in, in saying that, and that means can they win a final? I think if they win a final and give themselves a second chance, then he's every chance to kick four and four in the next. So, Absolutely, I think is a big chance. Um, just depends how well Sydney can perform. It's it's ridiculous, and and which we're going to, we're going to touch on the All Australian squad um, after this. But he's in it, and if he um, gets in the All Australian team this season, he's going to break a record of most ever All Australian um, members. Well, All Australian teams that a, a player in the history of the game has been a part of. So. It's um it's incredible what he's doing at his age and how many years he's been in the system. It's um it's crazy. He's clearly one of the greatest to ever play the game, and um, we get to see him play in the final series again where he does his best work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's scary to think that, you know, you look back seven years ago or whenever it was, he signed that deal with the Swans and everyone thought, geez, that's that's a big contract. Like he won't he won't finish off that contract. He will be too old. He will the game will pass him. And he's just sticking it right up, everybody that said that, because he's still, yeah, like you said, in flying form. And when you talk about the GOAT conversation in football, but but if Buddy Franklin's not in that conversation, then you know, you're an idiot. He's right up there. And like you said, finals, he he does produce his best work. So obviously I'm in the Dustin Martin camp, but geez, buddy ain't far behind in my books. Yeah, he's uh, he's so good to watch. So good to watch six on the weekend. It was fantastic. Um, but we did mention the All-Australian squad just before and um, it did get announced um, only about an hour or so ago before we recorded tonight. Any surprises for you in there or any surprises that got left out? I was about to say, none that are in there that surprised me so much, but the one that surprised me that was left out was Travis Boak, and I think that's probably the popular opinion. I'm not the only one that said that. I'm not sure if you agree with me as well, but, um, yeah, I was definitely surprised that those guys uh, – oh, no, that he, he got left out. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's, he, I think he's, he's the biggest one. I, I honestly can't think of anyone else that um, – no glaring omissions, omissions apart from Travis Boak, which baffles me because he had a fantastic season. He – Arguably Port's best player, along with Ollie Wines. I just don't know what they how have they missed that one. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what else he has to do to get picked. Maybe, maybe it was because in Ollie Wines sort of they do play that midfield role and Wines pinched pinched it off him and then a couple other midfielders in the league. Who knows what goes into it? I know it's a panel that chews it, so it's not just one person, but he's definitely stiff to get left out. But I tell you one person I'm very happy is in the squad at this stage, and that's David Mundy. And I don't think there's anybody else in that squad that I'm happy to see in there. Because, like you said, be like, buddy, for someone his age to be playing this level of football, and mind you, not in a you know a freakishly good side where he's getting covered by a lot of other talent around him. Not that Freo don't have talent, but yeah, I think at his age to be doing what he's doing is really special as well. Yeah, it's so good. He's um he's a great person as well. He's got he's got a great podcast that they they do it at Freo, and um yeah, as good of a player he is, he's an even better bloke. So very happy. Monday and hopefully he can keep going as well um, but Melbourne they've got seven players in the squad which is unbelievable and it speaks volumes of, of their season doesn't it oh absolutely I mean it makes sense how they've made such a jump from where they were last year to where they are this year I mean you look at the players that are listed in their team they've got Bailey Fridge, Max Gorn, Jake Lever, Stephen May, uh, Clayton Oliver, Petrarca and I think Salem was the other one as well so all those guys have just had unbelievable seasons. And when we do our voting for the pressure point votes, it's it's hard to pick between all of those guys most weeks when you're doing the votes. So yeah, it, it just, like you said, speaks wonders for their season and where they are at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's three teams that didn't have any players was North Melbourne, Collingwood and Richmond, which is, an, I mean, the start of the season, I mean, you wouldn't have predicted anything that happened to Richmond at the start of the season, but to have no all Australian players was crazy and just shows your amount of injuries that you had as well this season. Yeah. Surprising in the sense that if you asked me at the beginning of the year, I'd be surprised, but looking back on it now, I'm not surprised at all. I think if we had anybody in there, it would have been really, really lucky. Um, I did think Nathan Broad early in the year was a good chance at making it, but like you said, injuries probably took their toll and a lot of players didn't get consistency. And I think that's the same with Collingwood as well. Collingwood suffered a lot of injuries um, on their front, and they were probably stiff as well with a few players that would normally, you know, sneak their way in there, like a Taylor Adams or something that's had some really, really good games this year, but probably hasn't been there consistently enough to make an All Australian side. And then you said North was the other one that didn't didn't have any. And there's, 
Oh, I mean, look, they, they finished bottom of the ladder, so it's not really a surprise, but there's definitely a few players that I thought could potentially have squeezed into the squad. Um, but, no, no, a bit unlucky on their behalf, but they're still a young, growing team, and you watch next year, they'll have a couple, I reckon. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but, yeah, so that'll uh, – I think that'll be announced in a couple of weeks' time, the actual team. So it uh, be interesting to see who misses out and who makes it and if Buddy can get his eighth All-Australian blazer, which is quite incredible. Um, all right, well, let's move on. It's finals time. Let's uh, let's preview week one of the finals. And there's no buy this season, which is fantastic for uh, a foot from a footy fan's perspective. Anyway, we we'll get straight into it. There's no uh, break in momentum, and it all starts Friday night at the Adelaide Oval between Port Adelaide in, and Geelong. Uh, the second qualifying final, a repeat of last year. How good is this going to be? This is huge. This is. Or probably oh, it's up there with my favorite game or most anticipated game for the week um, of finals ahead. And it's massive. And Porter got a really big opportunity here. They had a great win last last week to put him in this top four position to play against the Cats. And the Cats have a really shaky record in elimination finals. So everything's sort of pointing towards Port Adelaide winning this one at the moment. They are the favorites as well when you look at the sports bet odds. So everything's gone towards them home game, although Geelong did go over there and beat them earlier in the season. So Geelong can still get that win as well. But if you Going with a safe tip, well, not that there is one, but I'm going to say Port Adelaide get up for it for me. Yeah, I think I think Port Adelaide as well. Their form has been um, the best in the competition over the last six weeks, so they're coming in red hot. And um, yeah, I, I think they'll be they'll be too strong for Geelong in front of their their what's the word to use for their for their home crowd? Passionate is probably the nicest way to put it. Um, I don't think there's any way to describe the <laughs> crowd. But what, one question I did want to ask about the Cats, and I heard someone mention this um, during the week about their performance against Melbourne last week, is do you think some of their older players are starting to get a little bit worn down now towards this end of the season? They've sort of had been beaten up a little bit throughout the year. It's been a tough season for everybody, um, especially Geelong with you know the older list that they've gotten. They just sort of looked a bit depleted towards the end of that Melbourne game where Melbourne just clawed their way back from 40 points down. Do you think the age is starting to show or do you think it was just a fluke that they, they let that one go? Oh, potentially. I think there's definitely an element of that, um, especially when you're struggling to run out games. Uh, it usually goes back to um, the fitness levels and, and the bodies that you've got on the field. But, um, yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. you always feel like there's a bigger plan at Geelong. You always feel like they're... Are they tapering off because of finals coming along? They're, they're always guaranteed a top four spot in those last couple of weeks. So, um, but they, yeah, at the end of the day, they have cost themselves a home final though, which is which is probably not a part of the plan. But um, but there's no stopping Geelong coming out there and winning by six goals this Friday night either. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be very it's going to be a fascinating final series. Um, all up to see to see what they can do because last off season they uh, they they traded hard and recruited hard to, to win a flag. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they've really gone all out for this year. We've spoken about it plenty of times with the players that they picked up. It's really now and ever for Geelong. I mean, we said that last year and then they went and got the recruits that they did. So they're obviously going all out to get the job done um, this year. And like you said, there's really, there's not, nothing to stop them from keep, yeah winning by six goals if they really wanted to. So it'll be a very, very good game Friday night. Yeah. All right, moving on to the first, uh, second elimination final. Sorry, on uh, Saturday afternoon between Sydney and GWS, the Sydney bat, what's it? Battle of the Bridge, isn't it? Battle, Battle of the Bridge. Bridge. Yeah, but they're playing in Tassie, so uh, I wouldn't want to be in Sydney at the moment either if I was either of those uh, sides. Exactly. Um, so yeah, first final in Tassie, which is 
which is great for great for the state. And um, let's see what show they can put on in their bid to to get a team. But um, crazy though that this is the third time Sydney and GWS are going to meet in a final and in the first week of finals as well. Um, and Sydney haven't beaten the Giants in a final, so it's uh, going to be a great contest this one. Absolutely, it will be. And you say that Sydney haven't beaten the Giants in a final and. If you asked me, I don't know, four weeks ago and you told me that they were going to play off, who would win this one? I would say Swans. They're just too good. But the form the Giants have been is, it's ominous. And it's actually quite scary, to be honest, for some of the other teams in the eight, that they could come through and cause some real damage to Tabar. And I reckon every chance at winning this game, if they can play with some of the form that they've been in recently and get some numbers back as well. So they're not the favourites going into the game, but I'm almost tipping the Giants. It's going to be, it's going to be real tight, I reckon. Um, Obviously, the, the rivalry between the teams, I think it's going to be very heated. Um, but, geez, the form that the Swans have come in with, their big win on the weekend as well, um, I think that puts them in the box set to win. And I think they'll be slightly too strong for the Giants, as good as they've been the last month. But, yeah, I think the Swans, they've just had such a good season and they've just got a lot of weapons, um, in particular that, that big man up forward, Buddy Franklin. So I think the Swans just... The Giants have the history in the finals, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think the Swans probably deserve it more, though, don't they? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. they've had the better season. Yeah, absolutely. The Giants, they, in the end, they just sort of scraped into the eight and were shaky all year, but the Swans have been pretty consistent the whole year round. So in terms of who deserves it more, I think the Swans for sure. Yeah. Uh, Saturday night, we've got the first qualifying final between Melbourne and Brisbane at the Adelaide Oval. Unfortunately for Melbourne fans, they can't watch it at the MCG, but it's at the Adelaide Oval. Um, let's see how many Melbourne fans can sneak over the border and, and watch them. Um, first time they've finished on top since 1964. It's it's a momentous occasion for them. And, um, and for Brisbane as well, who just snuck in in the last 30 seconds on the weekend to, to finish fourth. So um, both teams, um, without their last 10-second, 30-second antics, they wouldn't be playing off together. No, and it's, it's funny to think how football can work like that, isn't it? 30 seconds of, just changes everything. And now you've got these two teams playing at Adelaide Oval and, instead of potentially, you know, somewhere completely different. So big game. Obviously, this is massive. Melbourne obviously want to come out firing and try and get that first win of the final series and just, you know, you know settle the nerves and probably let all the fans know, no, nah, we're here to play. This is serious. When We didn't just win the home and away season. We're going to take it all the way now. And then same for Brisbane. They've been thereabouts for the last couple of years. And, you know, to fall short a couple of times now, they'd be very disappointed. So they'll be just as heated. And both come off some incredible games, like you said. But I just think, like we mentioned before, all the stars are lining up for Melbourne just nicely. Um, and I think they'll get this one, get the job done. Yep, absolutely. I think the D's as well. Um, and then Sunday, uh, we've got a elimination final on a Sunday for the first time since 2015, I think. Since, yeah, before the bye came in. And um, this one's also in Tassie. It's between Western Bulldogs and Essendon. Oh, I, don't, a, I, don't, I don't like a game. I don't like Sunday elimination finals. I'm not oh, happy. no, you don't. You've got a lot of PTSD from them, don't you? I'm not happy that this has been brought back. But this game is, uh, is going to be a real serious battle. It's going to be a real serious battle. Essendon beat the Bulldogs only a couple of weeks ago. Bulldogs have lost, I think, their last three in a row now and just dropped out of the top four, like we mentioned earlier. So they'll be breathing fire. Bombers will be wanting to break that infamous record that they've got for over 6,000 days without winning a final, which I know you and I are secretly hoping that they don't break again this year. Um, however, you know, they honestly deserve to win a final this year with the way that they've been playing, um, the way they've rebuilt so quickly and turned their, thing, turned their 
I guess I was going to say turn their season around, but the whole season's been pretty good. So oh, it's, a, it's a real tough one, but I don't think the dogs are going to get exposed again like they did last time. And I reckon their experience will just get them over the line and mutual venue as well. I think it'll help the doggies a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think they're, they're too good of a team to, to bow out at this stage of the finals. They've had such a good season. Um, and yeah, I think they'll be too strong. They're unlucky to lose to Port on the weekend as well. So um, as good as Essendon have been, uh, especially the second half of the season. I'm just, I think their fairy tale is going to come to an end this week against the dogs down in Tassie. Um, but yeah, that is, that is week one of the finals. It's exciting that it's here. Very strange venues for a lot of them, but nonetheless, it is very exciting to have finals back. Absolutely. It's, um, it's something different this year, obviously for myself personally, not having any stress or any, uh, you know, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to use for it right now, but any investment into this uh, yeah. investment into these games. So it's just good to be able to sit back and enjoy them as just a football fan in general. And I don't think we really could have asked for a better lineup in terms of the first week of finals. All the games have got are going to be um, absolute rippers and it's going to be an interesting final series ahead. And I'm just hoping it can all go through without a hitch and um, there's no dramas along the way COVID wise. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, obviously looking very, I mean, it's, Let's rule out the MCG for the grand final. I don't think that's going to happen considering what's going on here. But um, I think, yeah, by the second or third week of the final, I think Perth might start hosting a few games in, in the, in the build-up to, to them hosting the grand final, which is which is looking the most likely option. So, um, but yeah, mate, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. Even though my team hasn't been in it for eight years, it's always exciting finals time. So um, I can't remember what was the last final that we did play. What was it? Starting to break up, man. <laughs> against the Swans was the last final you played. Yeah, yeah. No, you got me there. Well Richmond done. belted you, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good one. That's a good one. What was um, the final Richmond played? What was the last? It was the last. Um, no. Anyway, don't worry. I was, I, was <laughs> yeah. talking about the, I was talking about the last elimination final you guys played on a Sunday. Oh, no. It's been a while, man. I can't remember that far back. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Episode's over. Nah. Yeah, on that note, we, we may as well finish it there. Um, it's been good. It's been good having Joe on and um, reviewing the Blues and previewing the finals. But um, as we say every week, make sure you leave us a review, subscribe to us on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep the reviews coming. They're greatly appreciated. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll chat next week after the finals.